Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Welcome, everybody, to episode 47 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts, and also welcome to 2021, a very hopeful year. Um, And tomorrow is the Feast of Epiphany, a Christian feast that celebrates the revelation or the theophany of God incarnate as Jesus Christ. And in Western Christianity, Epiphany really commemorates principally the visit of the Magi to visit the Christ child, and thus Jesus's manifestation, not just to the people of Israel, but to the Gentiles. And so that's what I'd like to focus on for today's episode. But first, I want to share two passages from Scripture that I'll be referencing in this reflection. And the first is from Ephesians chapter 3. Paul writes the following, I'm the very least of all the saints, This grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that he has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom... We have access to God in boldness and confidence through faith in Christ. Our second reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we have observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Here ends the reading. Who is this gift for? 
And so our first Christmas in Austin, this is a question I heard quite a bit from Annie, who was three years old at the time. In fact, there were five different gift opening events over a span of one week in three cities that year. This was 2018. And because this was Annie's very first Christmas to be really engaged, Annie was so excited, but she'd notice how each present had a tag, and on that tag was only one name, and because Annie was three and she couldn't read, she'd examine the gift, look at the tag, and then look up at me and ask, who is this gift for? Now, as it turns out, that is a problematic question to ask when there's also an 18-month-old sibling whose favorite word in the entire world is mine. And so at this time in our life, this word, mine, was KK's answer to every question. It was an emphatic statement she would make when just wanting to hear her own voice, and I still recall KK mumbling this word to herself before sleep meaning that when Annie would ask, who is this gift for, each of the 126 times she asked that question, KK would declare with absolute certainty, mine. It mattered not whose name was on the tag or the contents within the box, the stuffed dog, the men's pajama pants, the dollhouse, the Brooks Brothers gift card. KK's MO was to place her hand on each gift only to declare that this gift belonged to her. Suffice it to say, this did not please Annie very much, and it led to what I'm sure all parents will recognize as normal, childish ways, sibling squabbles over who each gift was for. Because whenever push came to shove, and trust me when I say that it literally did, each child wanted the other to know that the gift belonged only to them. And so on the Feast of the Epiphany, we get this great story each year about wise men who were led by a light who follow a star to meet the baby Jesus. And to give you just a little bit of some background, the setting of this story is a world where the Jewish leadership believed that God belonged exclusively to them. Who is God for? Observant Jews had a very clear answer to that question. Mine. Or to frame it a little bit differently, people believed that the riches of God had very clear bounds. Bounds that were tied to race, to purity, to philosophy, to denomination. Right, even within Judaism, there were Sadducees and Pharisees, Essenes and Zealots, different denominations with different bounds. My favorite illustration of this is Philippians chapter 3, verse 5, where Paul writes, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. In other words, what Paul does here is offer autobiographical information about the bounds that he formerly took pride in, the bounds that he thought God's work was limited to. 
And here's the thing, if any biblical author might be tempted to see the world in a similar limited way, it would be Matthew, the author of this great story I just read where the Magi come to visit Jesus. Because as scholars are quick to note, Matthew is hands down the most Jewish of the four evangelists, the gospel author who was most tied to the specific customs, practices, and rituals that Jews in his day used to reach out to God. And yet, how does Matthew begin his gospel account? By telling a story about Jewish dignitaries being led to the manger, or about rabbis being led to the manger, or about a pure-blooded citizen of Israel being led to the manger? No, Matthew talks about wise men from the East. Now, I love our Christmas tradition, which says that it was three kings who visited the manger, but if you read very carefully, Matthew does not say that they are kings, nor does he mention how many there were. In fact, the Greek word Matthew uses, which is translated in the reading as wise men, is more accurately translated astrologers or stargazers. In other words, these are people who clearly do not practice the right religion from a traditional first century Jewish perspective. These people exist outside the bounds of where Jews in Jesus' day just assumed that God was at work. I mean, think about it. These wise men are not looking for God as God has revealed God's self to Abraham and Jacob and Moses. They don't know the law nor do they have any knowledge of God's covenant with the people of Israel. And yet Matthew begins his gospel with a story about God grafting in those whom many assumed that God intended to leave out. In other words, if Christmas is a declaration that Jesus Christ is God's gift to the world, Epiphany is an answer to the age-old question, Who is this gift for? And the meaning of Matthew's account is very simple. Everyone. That there is not a person or tribe or people or nation outside the bounds of God's love or God's saving reach. And it is God's reaching out to us that is central to this epiphany story. As the late Robert Capon once noted, religion is what happens when a group of people get together and develop customs and practices and rituals as a strategy to reach out to God. But grace, salvation, the breaking of bounds, the meaning of our faith is that God has taken the initiative to reach out to us. All of us, people of every tongue, every tribe, people and nation, meaning that there is no one whose name God has failed to write on the tag. The gift of Christ is for all. As Paul says in the reading from Ephesians I shared at the beginning of this reflection, God's grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ. And so here's the question I want you to ponder this week. A very appropriate question for Epiphany. What person or what group of people are you pretty confident that God could never draw to God's self? And please don't ask your head that question, ask your heart. 
Who repels you? Who repels God? Who could God never, ever, ever lead to the manger? Are you ready to hear something wonderfully offensive and beautiful? God is drawing that person or that group to God's self right now. As Jesus put it in the Gospel of John, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Conservatives and liberals, Gentiles and Jews, sinners and saints, Episcopalians and Baptists, rabbis from the West, wise men from the East. The gift of Jesus Christ is for all. And that includes you. Because I know some of us wrestle with self-righteousness and we need reminding that Jesus is also for others, but some of us wrestle with feelings of unworthiness. And so if you're listening and that happens to be you, I want you to hear me say that you are not outside the bounds of Christ's riches. Your name is also written on the tag. And to know this is true is our mission as a church because you know that star that star that led the wise men to the manger? In Matthew's story, that is supposed to be us, the church. Our vocation as a church is to be a light, a star that draws others to Christ. But to do that, we first have to visit the manger ourselves. We first have to open the gift ourselves. And as the wise men offered their gifts before the king, so we also are to offer our gifts. Not gold, not frankincense, not myrrh. That's not the gift Jesus wants. No, the gift that Jesus wants is our life, our story, our experience, our heart. And Jesus wants to teach us to offer that to God and to each other in such a way that we also make room for other people's life and for other people's story and for other people's experience so that in and through this church, we can safeguard and heal other people's hearts. And I can tell you that our world is desperate to experience this type of community and that 2021 will present a real opportunity as people slowly regather to be such a community for people who have been starved for community, to be a community where difference is honored, where Jesus is shared, where riches are boundless, and where no one screams, mine. It's a very normal thing for children to do, but as Paul once said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I became an adult, I gave up my childish ways. Our world is desperate for a community of people who are committed to the lifelong work of surrendering their childish ways for a star to lead them to the manger so that they can discover that the gift of Christ has always been and will always be for them. Friends, happy epiphany and welcome to a hopeful and a healing 2021. Let us pray. O God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. Lead us, who know you now by faith, to your presence, 
where we may see your glory face to face. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.